you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Everybody, everybody has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, and we could still help through the NFL Draft-A-Thon charity. Donations can be made through Wednesday night, so you can get involved and make a difference. For more information, resources, and details on how to support nonprofits providing relief for those significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, visit nfl.com slash relief. Let's get to the show. The Around the NFL podcast. Doesn't know which day of the week it is. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined a city filled with heroes still in bunkers. We're up to 31, folks. Mark Sessler, Chris Wesley, Greg Roosevelt. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Well, I should say, this is the 31st bunker cast, but according to one tabulation, this is the 1,000th Around the NFL podcast episode. Hey, now. How about that? Well, we are blowing it out, as you can see. All, all the, uh, you know, when you think a thousandth episode, this is what it looks like. You know, I turned forty in the bunker, and it, it all, it's only fitting that another milestone hits now. Where we're in the state, um, Mark, did you ever think we'd get to a thousand episodes? Well, I mean, at various points, I thought different things. Um, not when we started, but just because that seemed like no shows last that long. I mean, how many podcasts in our own? media house have come and gone um we've outlived them and shots you know, fired got, yeah when we got to about you know 600 or so i thought well unless one of us was assassinated um or taken out um we're gonna do it and you know we've had some run-ins on that front too but we're gonna we're gonna we're pushing on plenty of people have been i'm assassinated also feeling like a crazy company. person right now so i don't well point. famously you've talked a lot about getting um assassinated by a female that you always specify that the fleet of it comes up I'd say it comes up more often now, so that is a bit of a concern. Oh, I definitely want that to happen. 
Well, we made that's, it. That's not changed. We made Sorry. it, Mar- <laughs> and we had Mark along for the whole ride. And uh, Ricky Hollywood, you've been with us for, I'd estimate, in the range of, what, 200 shows or so now? So you are, you must be, at this point, you might be the, how, you have to be the leader now for the producer that's produced the most episodes. I think so. so. That, that makes sense. Yeah, no doubt. I we don't love, think it's we, that close. And, uh, you know, we love having the great Ricky Hollywood with mm-hmm. us. What longest, a gang. What longest, a team. Yeah. Best, you know. Greg, here's a question. Yeah. Will we do 1,500 episodes together? Yeah. 2,000, Wes. Yes. 2,500, Mark Sessler. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, what else do we have to do at this point? 3,000, old Zeuser. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. It's been a great ride, though, boys. That might put you at 50 years old, Dan. It, it took us, what, this is six years? So, uh, No, yeah. longer than that. Seven, Seven, right? 2013 to 20. Seven plus, yeah. So, so that's, yeah, that would eight? be 21 years. Yeah, we well, we started in July, so we're coming up on, yeah, it'll be seven years 14, in July. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yep, seven years. I mean, let's be real here. We are the demographic people are searching for right now. So, I mean, another <laughs> seven years feels like um, an easy yes. Well, now that I've aged out of my 30s, now it's just... It's just a bunch of forty-something white bros. So <laughs> we are getting to the the point, like Oliver from Brady Bunch or the little uh, ginger boy from Different Strokes, uh, and even listen to my pop culture references, where we need to bring in uh, someone younger, someone who looks different than us, just to keep the show uh, fresh. So that's something to think about. Maybe that's Erica. Maybe that's what Erica's role ultimately is. To give us that flavor, and maybe we need more to keep thriving. To or they just, you know, replace us in ma- in on mass, you know, <laughs> like with four, you know, late twenties, you know, uh, people. Oh yeah, Whatever. that could happen as well. It's a that's perilous not, reality. That's that is funny. The, me setting that up with you guys as if we might have the ultimate decision how long this goes. <laughs> we will not. I mean, if you can wipe out the Chicago Bulls, and I, I finally dove into that series, um, and it's it's amazing, as you've all mentioned. I mean, if you can wipe those guys out, uh, four white guys on a podcast feels killable. <laughs> and you know what? There's I don't think there's a Jerry Krause-type figure upstairs in our Not company right now, but there w- it's only a matter of time before a Krause rolls in, and we might roll out. I feel like we Never survived know. a couple Krauses over the years. Oh, we have. <laughs> We've survived sub Krauses. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so if this is indeed 1,000, and it, if it's not, it's got to be close. But according to one thing we saw, it is uh, great to be around. And we got so many people reached out to us um, and said they've been a listener since the first show. So we've gotten many, many listeners that have said they re-listen to shows. They play the ATN podcast Roulette, where they just pick a show from a random year and, and re-listen. Uh, so we are so happy uh, to have you guys along uh, for the ride with us. But uh, now we spin forward. Today's show. Took a nice uh, a Monday off after the draft. That was nice. But now it's back to work. And uh, we are going to now the draft is in the rearview mirror. If they might, teams might think they've found solutions, that they've solved all their issues. But the reality of the situation is that there are unsolved mysteries connected to the NFL in the post-draft landscape. I would re if I could, if we have the technology, 
reanimate. Uh, what was his name? What was the host? Robert, Robert Stack. Robert Stack. Yeah. Put him yeah. on the show. Oh yeah. I'd also like him to take a uh, a deep, lengthy look into where the two Patriots ball boys are at this point. No one's mm. heard from them in years. Great up. And I idea. believe they're not above ground. Great up idea. Reboot, baby. All right. But before that, let's get caught up on some news. One thousand, baby. Is on the telephone, Sessler in his motel room, podcast happening over Zoom. Ricky's still behind the glass, heroes can't stop kicking ass. World outside is burning down, at least it's not the Cleveland Browns. They'll never stop the podcast, nor the tracks keep turning while the world is burning. Ah, beautiful, beautiful composition about the show from an Irish listener, uh, Mark Sessler, his name. Hugh O'Connor, um, well, number one, I think we all thought that was an amazing job. I reached out to him uh, just to get the, the videos for our show and stuff. And, I mean, he also couldn't be a nicer nicer guy who is a longtime listener. And if like, I think the lyrics, I had a few friends listen to that. They thought the lyrics just from, from wire, to, wire to Wire were perfect. Let's, um, let's play that whole song in, in full at the end of tonight, uh, today's show. Uh, Hugh O'Connor, shout out. You are, to me, better than Billy Joel, but that's not a high bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Zeus wow. Um, all right, let's get into the news. What, we got Billy Joel fans in the house? I mean, I I think there's respect that should be paid to the catalog he's produced over I'm the years. I'm with Wes on that a little bit. Come on. I, but. I know Greg feels way differently and despises Billy Joel's music. Uh, I, heard, I heard a lot of it. It was too much of it. It's just one of those one of those guys your parents always played that you got absolutely sick of. So it's not really Billy Joel's fault. It's Tom and Debbie Rosenthal's fault. He's of a time and place. I don't think his music <laughs> translates to the 21st century. <laughs> See, you just buried him worse than well, I did. Just, he thought no, he was I, safe I, with you, and you shot an arrow through him. I respect what he put out in the 80s. It, yeah, it was great like, at the time. I, I, like, but I, think I, lo- I love ex- the band Europe, uh, but they don't really translate anymore. You know, I think it explains why you know younger guys like Greg and Dan, who maybe were too young to listen to some of his best stuff early on and heard it second or third hand. Interesting. Yeah, I, I did love We Didn't Start the Fire when I was nine. I thought that was the greatest <laughs> composition by anyone ever. And then Hugh O'Connor topped it 30 years later. Um, all right, let's get into it. Jameis Winston has a job, or it looks like it's heading that way. This is not official yet, correct? He has yeah, not which, signed officially. Which yeah. makes makes me wonder a little bit what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's here. interesting. Yahoo Sports' is Charles, Charles Robinson reports that New Orleans is finalizing a one-year deal with Winston, the former Buck, coming off a 5000 109-yard season, 30-plus touchdowns, 30 interceptions, and immediately eyebrows raised the idea that Winston would stay in the division, go to the Saints, back up Drew Brees. He enters the mix with Taysom Hill, who is supposed to be and maybe still is the heir apparent uh, to Brees. So it just leads to a lot of unsolved mysteries in its own right. Greg, your thoughts when you heard the news that Winston may be and quite possibly is headed to the Saints. Hmm. I uh, I wasn't shocked because I I what I did this hashtag a Saints. rare setup into your own comment with a big. <laughs> Wait, what? What did? Uh... Uh, you made your Greg sound <clears throat> effect that you often. Oh, make. I got it. I wasn't going to say anything, but then Mark reacted to it, and I couldn't <laughs> help myself. But go ahead. Sorry. I I did this Saints Twitter pod podcast. Which is you knew our boy Dat Boy Wolf has a as a podcast. Him and my buddy there you go. Adam. 
And uh, they were saying they were hearing this was going to happen before the draft. So they got sources on the inside. Um, And uh, they ended up being proven right. And it makes all the sense in the world if you're Jameis Winston. And it makes sense if you're the Saints, too. I, you know, I think you get a chance to get Jameis Winston in the building for a year, probably Drew Brees' last year. We haven't heard any financial terms. The Jameis Winston deal, you know, was reported on before the Taysom Hill extension uh, came out and the money that was involved in that extension came out. So part of me does wonder, is this deal for absolute sure? Does Did Winston know about that before he he came to terms? But either way, he, he should do the deal because if he can somehow impress Sean Payton or if he can end up getting in the lineup and being his backup like Teddy Bridgewater, uh, what better place to possibly learn? Because Jameis Winston still has a lot to learn, but he also has a lot of talent. A guy that throws for 5,000 yards can do things in the NFL, and like, there's no better place to learn other than under Drew Brees and Sean Payton. So along with this, Taysom Hill gets a new contract, including $16 million up front, guaranteed. Yeah. And I think you have to make uh, common sense out of that. To me, the words and actions of Sean Payton over the last few years, it's obvious that he values Taysom Hill extremely high in two ways. One, as option A in the succession plan to Drew Brees. And two, for the versatility and mismatch issues he gives at several different positions, tight end, wide receiver, running back, special teams. He values that versatility more than he values Taysom Hill as a backup quarterback. But it's weird to say that you're back that the guy you see as your option A for succession is not your backup quarterback. And I think people have had a hard time, uh, I guess, reconciling those two ideas. I just see it all about 2020 because, you know, this win- this Drew Brees window is about to close and he- they want to use Taysom Hill in all the ways you mentioned, Chris. And at the same time, um, you know, not have to limit Taysom Hill if he they've talked about a ballooning, blossoming role for him. Uh, where he gets hurt and suddenly you don't have a backup and the Saints are in super hot water. I, my, me alone, and I understand all the issues that come along with, with Jameis Winston um, on the field, I like Jameis Winston better than Teddy Bridgewater as a backup quarterback any day of the week. And this, the salary cap issue uh, for the Saints or the situation is they have less than $4 million available. So that makes sense, too, that you're not signing Winston and all of a sudden you have the highest paid backup in the league on your roster or something. Winston obviously is trying to reset his value. But, Greg, you said it makes all the sense in the world for Winston. I guess that's right, but it also makes me think that you only take this job uh, if you have no other options to be a starting quarterback in 2020. And when you look at the landscape of the league, I guess that's true. Yeah, so he's he... thinking, so where should, what should I do if I'm not, if I'm not going to have a chance to start? I might as well go somewhere that could reset my career and maybe kind of change everything. It's kind of whoever's giving him the, the, uh, uh, help with the decision making, I think is doing a nice job. I mean, he didn't have, he knew he didn't have any chance to start two weeks ago. So that that doesn't surprise me that those jobs are gone. So it's just figuring out like which team, which actually shows you some interest. We don't know if many teams or any other than the Saints have shown any interest would be the best uh, spot to be a backup. And I mean, Winston has had some games against the Saints. I mean, he is he has put over thirty points on the Saints in some comeback victories. 
pretty often. I, I have to go check the record, but I, I think he entered this year 500 against Drew Brees in the Saints. The, the Bucks have gotten the better end of that, and a lot of it is because the Saints defense can't figure out a way to stop this guy. So he's 25 years old. He's taking a step back. I think he'll be a, a, a starting quarterback in the league again. And it wouldn't shock me if he's a starting quarterback with the Saints because – Taysom Hill, the contract is really interesting. It's basically a two-year, $21 million contract. So that's that's a lot. Um, it's a lot that they didn't have to give him. You know, he was a restricted free agent. I'm sure he was upset. And this feels almost like the first ever apology contract I've ever heard uh, for a backup. So when he when they when they're talking to him about bringing Winston in, they said, "No, you're you got a big role in our team. We're going to give you $20 million to prove it." And you're going to be under contract now for 2021 for, you know, it's, a, it's about $10 million a year. That's sort of in between starting quarterback and backup quarterback money. It's it's fascinating. I mean, I, I can't think of anything. Never give out an apology contract. I mean, I just think that's part of it. I don't think yeah. they wouldn't give him the money if they didn't absolutely love him and have a big role for him, like, like Wes said. So it, it does make some sense. But I also think you don't bring in Winston unless you're at least open to the idea that he could be a possible uh, succession plan to Drew Brees, too, that at least that's that's in the realm of possibility. But one quick question. I mean, my, the, where I get caught up a little bit is I, I would imagine the Saints, after all they've said about Taysom Hill and, and the comparisons they've made to Steve Young, and uh, my belief that they do see him as a legit um, potential heir to Drew Brees, if Drew Brees were lost for three games or, or what happened last year, don't you want to start Taysom Hill? And see what you have. I mean, do we just plug and play Jameis Winston at that point? It, it seems like an opportunity to find out in real time what happens beyond this next season. I think Sean Payton, in this Drew Brees window, believes Taysom Hill is too valuable to use as a backup quarterback. He's too valuable as a mismatch option on offense and all the other positions and on special teams. And that's why I wonder what will happen. At what point is he not too valuable? Like when Drew Brees retires, are you saying, okay, now we got to get a new Taysom Hill to play all those other positions, and the original Taysom Hill becomes quarterback? It's it's it, kind of it's confusing. so weird because he has a hundred career touches. Precious, he has a hundred career touches. I mean, he has fewer career touches than a, a mediocre backup quarterback entering his second year. So it is a a totally unique, I think, unparalleled. Uh, you know, situation. I, it's really crazy to me. <laughs> All right. In other interesting quarterback situations, let's head to Green Bay, uh, where our old friend Bob McGinn, writing for The Athletic, uh, had this to say when breaking down the Packers' suspect draft class that included trading up to take quarterback Jordan Love in the first round. According to McGinn, uh, he believes Matt LaFleur, the Packers coach, quote, simply had enough of Rodgers' act and wanted to change the narrative uh, and changing the narrative and giving the Packers leverage is adding a first round quarterback with great, a great skill set to the room. Uh, so yes, if, if anybody thought when they were listening Thursday night show that we were being melodramatic about this pick and what it could mean to the Packers and what it's going to uh, lead in terms of drama. No, this is going to be a huge story around this team, whether Packers fans like it or not. This, this is fascinating to me. The more I read about it, and I think it's important to point out Bob McGinn was not reporting there. He started that sentence with, my sense is mm. this is what's going on. Brian Gutekunst, the GM, had interviews with Peter King and Albert Breer, and in both interviews made it clear this was not plan A going into the draft. They did not prioritize finding a successor for Aaron Rodgers. 
And what I find interesting is the original plan was to help Aaron Rodgers to get an early round wide receiver for the first time in six years. Peter King in his article pointed out that since 2015, the Packers have not drafted a wide receiver in the first three rounds and have not signed any wide receiver for more than $5 million. Hmm. The original plan was to help Rodgers. The fallback plan effectively undercuts him and perhaps even alienates him. I wonder if they can thread that needle. I mean, to me, it's... It's a very touchy situation now. Was it was it the fallback plan though? I mean, they called the Vikings, they called all these teams in front of them to trade up. They they they, they with no good information either that any team was trading up other than, you know, they thought maybe Well, the they Colts did have good information. Well, they, they had inform- they had in- well, it didn't turn out to be good, but they thought it was good. They thought that the Colts were trading up. Right. They they thought it, uh, apparently incorrectly, but who who knows? Teams lie after the draft and before the draft all the time that the Colts are going to trade up for love. But they were calling all the teams ahead of them to move. But if if plan A was a receiver and I guess okay, you only like four or five receivers in this draft. But why not trade up for a receiver? Or or yeah. Gutekunst is quoted well, saying, we thought, th- in explaining why they didn't take a receiver a little later in the draft, he said, well, we thought this was only about a 12-receiver draft. But he, you could have you you taken one of your top five in the first round. The players they, they liked in the first round were off the board by about pick 24. That's what Gutekunst said. And there were guys they liked in the second round at wide receiver. They did try to, try to trade up for those guys. But at that point... The fourth rounder they had to throw in for the Jordan Love trade would have been valuable to trade up, and they didn't have that option available. I would say this. I mean, Bob McGinn is not reporting this, as you mentioned, the way he worded this, but I'm not sure there's anyone I trust more to um, put little droplets of background information and and, 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 and intelligence and just a vibe of what's happening in Green Bay. And when I hear Matt LaFleur say Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback for years to come— uh, well, that would be uh, frankly unusual with the way that they've they've set the table here because that just doesn't happen that often. Now, you've got Tom Brady and Jimmy G in that situation, and Aaron Rodgers should be looked at in the same esteem uh, that maybe he shouldn't feel threatened at all. But, uh, like, it's the person of Aaron Rodgers and the <laughs> overall experience of Aaron Rodgers that seems to have threatened Matt LaFleur to some degree. I don't know if threatened is the right word, but... It's an uncomfortable relationship after we spent all of last year wondering if they could work together, and it went off without a hitch for the most part. Um, I wonder now, honestly, I think it is a coin flip that Aaron Rodgers is on the Packers roster a year from now. I just mm. That's the way I'd see it at this point, because these things have a, have a way to snowball and move more rapidly than one would wish, that a Packers fan would wish. We had um, the power rankings came out this week, and I did a show with our producer, Matt Tanton, uh, a buddy of ours and our left fielder slash pitcher Wes on the shield. Uh, and he's a big Bears fan. And he was floating the idea that he can't wait for the Aaron Rodgers revenge uh, tour with Rodgers in Chicago with the Bears a year from now. <laughs> and he said it as like an excited Bear fan. You say stop, but well, they're, 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 how are they going to trade him to the Bears? Please. That, that is not the team they're going to give. Listen, <laughs> just, just keep an open mind. And when you think about Aaron Rodgers, is there anyone – any player that you've ever um, can name or think of that is more suited 
for a revenge tour where he decides that a team is out to get him and he now wants to vanquish them and teach them <laughs> that they were wrong because I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm the best. This feels destined, like, in the stars that Rodgers will have this chapter in his career. And this, this, I mean, you couldn't ask, or you couldn't picture a bigger, like, step toward that <laughs> than what happened this week, this past week. I always say please because of the Bears because, you know, they have him under contract for four more years and it, he'd be very expensive. Maybe he'll to go trade. to the Jets for a year. Right, in, the, ne- in the next two years. So you figure <laughs> If, if they got rid of him, it's probably going to be uh, via trade. But I thought it was interesting. David Bakhtiari, who was live. Man, was it on our draft-a-thon? It was, it was draft-a-thon. Okay, so yes. you, know, you, can still, you can still donate to the, the draft-a-thon because it had such good info from David Bakhtiari, who was on live and saying That's he why. thought it was going to fire up Aaron Rodgers. He thought that I this was going to put a little extra in him. And when McGinn wrote um, that Rodgers... His attitude was imperial. Oh, what a great, <laughs> what a choice of word. That yes. the Packers would gain leverage with their, quote, imperial quarterback and his passive-aggressive style. Because he heard Gutekunst talk after the draft, too. They wanted to you know, transition more into, like, a running team. And that was what the agent, you know, and that they don't want to hear any honking from Rodgers or anything. <laughs> I, if I'm reading the tea leaves here about, like, oh, we're going to be a running team. Okay, well, we'll, we'll get rid of you in a year if you're going to complain. Well, and to emphasize that, that – it's so weird that this could have gone the way that Aaron Rodgers ends up with a wide receiver and he's happy. Instead, they get the biggest running back to come out of the draft in a few years, a power back, and Gutekunst says his head coach wants to tie everything to the run game. Even if they don't draft another quarterback, that is undercutting what Aaron Rodgers thinks of his role as the quarterback. He, he thinks that he goes up to the line of scrimmage and decides what they're going to do. It's worth noting, you know, they, they drafted Brett Favre and he started playing better than ever and, and uh, they almost made it back to the Super Bowl. That was, you know, three years more of Brett Favre. Jimmy Garoppolo, they drafted in 2014. I know it was one round later, but that's a second round pick. They won three more Super Bowls after that. Brady was around the same age. So you know, that, I think there is a route here where Rodgers just, you know, plays his, his brains out and ends up being the guy for a while. That's at least possible. Sure. Mm. You love fresh storylines. <laughs> Chum oh, this, that water. Well, it's fresh, but it's not going to be fresh when we're still discussing this in late July. <laughs> what about what about the report out there that this season they could still hypothetically have a 16-game season that would start October 15th? What would we do in September and October? <laughs> we do, you keep, remember, do you remember how on. miserable we are every August at the end of the August, at the end of the month, talking about the same things over and over again? What would happen if that extended another? I am not worried days? about this group filling up forty-five to fifty minutes. Um, even if we were on the dark side of you know planet Saturn, we'd find a way to discuss something. I'm just saying I you're going to be talking about whatever you were think. Think of well, it's, every year September first. Well, we, think about we, doing that again for another forty-five days. I mean, there's That's times all. that we've taken topics and and forbid them from being discussed. I think we would just have to broaden the bands on a wide variety of discussion points that have become hyper stale. Let's hope it doesn't get to that. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. All right. Poor James Devlin just kicked right out of the old oh, news. Yeah. Bye-bye, James. <laughs> it was a good run. You know. I mean, have we ever done a, a news item on a fullback retiring? No, it's fine. It's fine. When Rosie Nix goes out. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Patriots all-decade team, which will soon be announced. Wow, what, what competition at the fullback position? Well, I'm Anyways. just saying, you made it. <laughs> the Patriots might come up again, Greg, so you'll get your chance. Okay, good. Uh, if you want to 
wax on. No, that's it was fine. I mean, what a that Bill Belichick's guy. You know, that's his probably his number one favorite player he ever drafted. All right, it is time now. Yes, teams think they have solved their roster woes, but there are still unsolved mysteries. Unsolved mysteries. You would walk down the steps of like a city library in a, a long trench coat stack. <laughs> and then there'd be fog rolling in. He just looked about the creepiest man there's ever been. Well, check it out on Amazon. On until you, until you cosplayed him on our uh, TV show <laughs> earlier this year. Yes, apparently I'm the biggest Robert Stack fan there is. He's also excellent in a comedic role in Airplane. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Throw Good that out call. there as well. Forgot that. All right. So. Well, this is a recurring segment on the show. It's 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 fairly simple. Uh, we're going to take turns uh, pointing out something connected to a team uh, that feels like a loose end at this stage of the calendar. And um, since I mentioned the Patriots and I have them on my list, why don't I get going here with an unsolved mystery surrounding the New England Patriots? Bill Belichick had a very Bill, Bill Belichickian draft. We know that by now. Uh, he traded out of the first round. He took a D2 safety with the first pick. Uh, and he completely, most notably, in my opinion, ignored the quarterbacks of the college game. Which leads people to believe that Jared Stidham, last year's fourth round pick, and Brian Hoyer, the backup, are the guts of that QB room. Here's the unsolved mystery. Will another shoe be dropping? Or is this really what this is going to be? And knowing the people involved here, I would not be surprised if this is how it plays out, just because Belichick doesn't want to do what you think he's going to do. But, and Wes, you and I are on the same page here. (laughs) Got to do better in that room. Unless Jared Stidham's the next time break. Unsolved mysteries. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I've read that they, like, okay, you want to find out what you have in Jared Stidham, so at that point, why does it make sense to trade a late-round pick or whatever for Andy Dalton? Why do you need 16 games to see what you have in Jared Stidham? I don't think you need a whole season to experiment with a guy who was a fourth-round draft pick. To me, I don't know, one month worth of games is enough to know whether you've got the right game, right guy or not. I, I just don't buy that as the reason. Well, I think there you got to trust the actions at some point. I'm not saying they would be closed off to the, the quarterbacks. Okay, let's start with the draft pick. Like, going into, you know, when they did those mocks before the 2018 college season, and they did, you know, fake mocks in September. Jarrett Stidham was supposed to be a top 10 to 15 pick. So if he had come out as a junior, a lot of people thought he probably would have been late first, maybe mid-second. If he happened to have been, like, like, let's put that at the end of it, a mid-second, late-second, maybe we feel a little differently about him, about him as, like, a prospect that they can believe in. They've got to watch him for a year. And I think there's there's no way that they would have done what they've done this offseason unless they're just comfortable with him being their starter. I do think it's worth noting Brian Hoyler's only making a million dollars, which would be make him like the lowest paid veteran backup in the league. So they have extra room to add someone at some point. And I think they will. I don't think it's someone that necessarily is competing with Jarrett Stidham. And I don't think it's necessarily Andy Dalton unless he came at an incredibly cheap price um but i mean hoyer's making nothing 
And and even if Stidham is the favorite to start week one, which I think he's going to be, I, I would expect them to add someone. To, to, I think someone will be added to that room. I just look at their actions, too. I mean, what one little thing on Dalton. If I'm the Bengals, and, you know, th- there have been messier quarterback team scenarios than Dalton and the Bengals. I'm not sure I want to move him at this point. I mean, what is the worst, I, might worst not. thing about him? Right. I mean, there have been some reporting that the Bengals are open to keeping Andy Dalton, and he'd be um, certainly more generous to an uh, incoming quarterback than some veterans we can think of. And there's just nothing about the Patriots chasing after any of these signal callers that we keep wanting to link them with. I mean, there's just no buzz around it on any level. But that's also, they, they're pretty buzz-proof building many times. They are, but I mean... You the, never know. You know, something would leak out. If they were fascinated with with Andy Dalton or Cam Newton, I just feel like we'd have a, a little tiny tidbit of info suggesting Perhaps. That. Or right. they did something about it. But, but to your point, with it, in terms of it being a mystery, if we hit late August and no one wants Cam Newton still, and he's out there for almost nothing, I mean, I, to me, they... Then that changes the equation. It's different than being aggressive. Or you get to camp and Stidham is a total dolt. I mean, then maybe you make a move. I mean, they've they've, they've had him in the building. They watched him play a hundred times in practice or whatever it is, and they obviously like him a lot. I kind of remember him stinking out the joint against the Jets in the preseason. What if, yeah, Stidham is their guy, and then he plays really poorly all through the summer? I mean, he he had a solid preseason. It wasn't like unbelievable. It was easily the best rookie preseason they've ever had out of a quarterback. But it was, you know, it was a lot of a lot of dinking and dunking. Right. I mean, Dan, if I were you, I'd just keep it keep this yeah, tamper right. down. You want him playing against the Jets? In uh, yeah, regular the, season. I don't want. I also don't want them going three and thirteen and getting Trevor Lawrence uh, next. Well, April so you know it's 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 tough sitch all right Mark you're up you know for me I'm trying to think of a a coach who uh, left on worse terms um, went into the wilderness and had one of the more um, inconceivably hyped up PR campaigns about his return than Mike McCarthy and and we're told that Mike McCarthy is a completely new human being that um, you know by watching tape during his year away from football, he's learned so much, um, despite the fact that he was a coach for 25 plus years before that, and that we're, you know, he's a perfect fit for the Cowboys. And my question is, because it is a mystery to me, is how much has Mike McCarthy actually changed? Because there are two versions of Mike McCarthy you get. A is this one that we're told has completely um, had a come to Jesus moment and sees offensive football in a completely different way, or B, um, the one who basically lost that power uh, power clash with uh, Aaron Rodgers, unlike Matt LaFleur at this point, and basically rode himself out of town on an offense that when he was last coaching, you know, was viewed as archaic, um, unmoving, uh, you know, unable to uh, change with the times the way that teams in the NFC were. So, you know, you've kept Kellen Moore. Um, I like that as a first move to say maybe we marry what the Cowboys do well, well and mar- we marry a little bit of what Mike McCarthy f- feels at home with. Um, want to see that. I, I, I wouldn't keep Kellen Moore unless you wanted to use some of his ingenuity. I thought that, you know, for a time last year, he, he roamed as the coordinator of the year material uh, until some of the wheels fell off. You've got no end to the talent on that offense and there are no excuses for Mike McCarthy he's not taking over some sort of broken down 2-14 and team with a long leash you've got Jerry Jones adding CeeDee Lamb to a totally stocked wide receiver room I just wonder will we get Mike McCarthy in a way we've never experienced or the same old thing Hmm. isn't there something to be said that Mike McCarthy was viewed as the boogeyman in Green Bay 
and then he gets dumped, and then they bring in a kid to be the new head coach, a bearded boy. And now that bearded boy was just a, a behind drafting a first-round quarterback because Aaron Rodgers had become a pain in the ass, and maybe he's part of the reason that offense isn't as good anymore. I'm not saying – I'm not defending McCarthy. I just th- find it interesting that McCarthy was viewed as the problem, capital T, capital P. And then the offense stayed kind of blah last season after he left. They also won six or seven more games or whatever it was. So that, But that he'd was- done that before. I mean, he, he had a great – I think it – at the end of Green Bay was not great, but he had a great run there when he had, I think, eight wins of 10-plus games over 11 years. I, Maybe he got old. I get that side of it. I think there's some reason to believe that he's going to let Kellen Moore be Kellen Moore and that he's going to be more of kind of a executive-type coach. That's what he said. I mean, Kellen Moore is going to call the plays. And Kel- there was some talk that Garrett kind of stepped in and people wanted to blame Garrett for why the offense got a little more conservative under Kellen Moore down the stretch. Maybe maybe McCarthy, him turning the new leaf, is kind of letting Kellen Moore fly. I would ask you this, though. So they hired Mike McCarthy uh, to play executive role, not because of Mike McCarthy's offensive playbook or ingenuity. That that is That alone would be... That would make well, sense to me because I think that was his strength. It, you know, it, his his plays were not his strength. His his strength, I thought, was kind of an organizational cohesion. Like he was an adult leading the room who hired good people who kind of it worked seemed to work well and and like the, he always seemed good at that part of the job. His play calling, you know, he, he was fine. What do you what, think, Wes? What to your point, Dan? I think we all kind of bought by all of us. I mean the. Cognoscenti mm, bought. We bought the storyline that McCarthy's offense had grown stale, and that's the reason why he left. That's the reason why he was pushed out. the The relationship with Rodgers didn't work anymore because McCarthy's offense had grown stale. If you're reading between the lines on Bob McGinn, and if you're watching Rodgers play, we talked about it at the end of last year when I was saying, "Look at all these plays he's passing up because he wants to make the spectacular play." Maybe the truth is a lot closer to both of them were at fault. Maybe the offense did grow stale, but maybe it wasn't working because Aaron Rodgers wouldn't work with the offense. And when you hear guys like James Jones, who played quite a few years under McCarthy, say nothing but great things about him and say, of course, the Cowboys got a great coach. To me, maybe we should shift away from the narrative that McCarthy only left Green Bay because his offense was stale. All right. Chris Wessling, you're up. Albert Breer did a really nice job on his post-draft column looking at the quarterbacks and why they were chosen and what people liked about them. When I read the Joe Burrow piece, I mean, I I don't want to sound like I'm too gaga over this guy, but it feels like it's about to be cool to be a Bengals fan again. And I can't remember ever thinking that, that it's, it's going to be cool. And this guy's going to save Zach Taylor's job. That's what. Mm. That's the sense I get, that he is so beloved by his teammates and everybody in every building he's been in. He's a natural leader. He has the mind that you want in a quarterback and the personality you want in a quarterback. Um, if he's going to save Zach Taylor's job, to me the unsolved mystery is, is Zach Taylor a good coach? What are we going <laughs> to find out about Zach Taylor's coaching ability through Joe Burrow? Yeah, well, what did we learn last I had, year? I, well, no, I, I had this, a very similar mystery about Zach Taylor. They have a OC and DC who are both uh, with one year of experience at that role. 
And Zach Taylor, I mean, I get, number one, I love that they didn't fire him because I don't like these one-and-done situations when they were dealing with a lot last year. But I cannot imagine or remember a first-year coach that, you know, went and coached 16 games and came out with less of an identity. I have no concept of who Zach Taylor is or what the coaching philosophy is in Cincinnati at all. Now, that could change entirely, but I'm totally with you on that being an unsolved mystery. Now he has a chance. And yeah. not, not just a chance. Like, it's he is set up pretty well. And I like their draft because I like the idea of it turns out now, if it, at the time, a few months ago, it felt like Bengals being Bengals. But now the idea that A.J. Green is there makes a ton of sense. And it gets you even more excited because he is potentially back to his old self. And now you have T. Higgins, who they took in the first pick of the second round, another explosive receiver. So you're lined up really well at wide receiver. If this if this guy can play and you get the offensive lineman back that didn't, didn't even play a snap last year, there's a real chance that they become one of those teams, and it happens every once in a while. It goes from 2-14 and 14 to playoff contender in December. Like hmm. I would not be stunned if they're hanging around in the AFC, especially with an extra playoff spot. To me, quarterbacks, for the most part, make coaches, not the other way around. And Burrow... I mean, there was some negativity about his arm strength and like, oh, is he like a you know rich man's Alex Smith or Andy Dalton? It's like, give me a break when you look at his athleticism. The the third and 17 play he makes against Texas early in the year where there's three or four clear rushers coming at him and he moves in the pocket and makes a ridiculous throw on the move, which saves their undefeated season. They maybe don't win that game. Like, that's the type of next level, like, quarterbacking you can't teach and, like... Alex Smith and Andy Dalton, they don't, they don't, they don't got that. This guy can make Zach Taylor, you know, look a lot better than Zach Taylor is. Well, it's been a long time now, but I remember Greg specifically liking what he heard from Zach Taylor last year coming yeah. out of all the press conferences. I think publicly he he does a really good job still, and I even think that now when I, when I watch him in these interviews. And we were really impressed with him in Week One when they went into Seattle and almost right. upset the Seahawks, and then after that, everybody got injured. And they went months without winning a game. <laughs> well, I would just say this, though. You've got guys like Brian Flores, too, who were given absolutely nothing to work with. And yeah, we're coming out of that season thinking that Brian Flores is a huge asset. And, I, I'm gl- again, I'm glad they kept Zach Taylor. It would have been unfair to remove him. They were him competitive, though. They led, they led 10 games, which I think is an NFL record, to only get two wins in the second half. So it's they weren't like a terror, you know, as two and 14 teams go. Or did they win two or one? I can't even remember. I think it was two. Uh, I, I kind of—it's funny you brought up Brian Flores. To me, he's—he's he's in the same boat on kind of the opposite end, where you know nothing about Zach Taylor, who had a terrible roster and injuries, and went two and fourteen. Flores was very—it was very publicly being set up that this is the worst roster perhaps ever. And then by getting to the five wins with the the strong finish, he looks like a coach that's going to be there for a decade. Uh, but now he has a big test ahead of him now, which is actually some expectations. And going five and eleven is not going to be drawing a, a parade anymore. So it's it's tough business being a head coach in the league. And I don't think anybody's safe. That year two is going to be big for both of those guys. Uh, Greg, you're up. All right. Um, like Colleen Wolf, sometimes I'm not sure I totally understood this exercise because my unsolved no, mystery segment like 12 so, times. well i didn't know so it had to be times. team specific but i think okay. this works because to me you know we're living in an unsolved mystery Ooh. i mean the world that's a good lyric 
the world is living in, un- in an unsolved mystery. I'm waiting for that music to come in. You know, the world is an unsolved mystery. Wake up, Ricky. Right now, yeah, not but, all the skeptics. However, music, relates by the way. to the NFL. The unsolved mystery is what happened to Erica on the bus. <laughs> How it relates to the NFL, at least to start, I'm going to start with is I'm really interested. And I know this sounds weird about this whole supplemental draft. <laughs> It's such a crack. I know this sounds crazy, but I really think it. we're living in this fascinating time. College football, there's a good chance it's not going to be played in the fall because schools are going to have to be back. I mean, our, our, our California governor said like he did not expect anyone to at, attend every, any sporty events until there's uh, some therapeutic treatment. Maybe that'll pop up. Who knows? If there's no college football in the fall and there's not going to be much information out in the next month or two before players have to decide, are like 70 players going to come out in this supplemental draft? Is it going to be a totally different experience than any supplemental draft in history? Because if you're at Missouri right now and you were like a borderline third round pick and you were thinking of coming out, but you thought, no, let's go back to school one more year, try to bump that up. What is the point of going back to college? Like there might not be a college to go back to. There might not be college football to go back to. And you could go start your NFL career and earn a living. It's going to be tricky to decide who who can make it and who who doesn't. But I feel like it's something it could be this wave that's going to happen and and it's going to give us something to talk about. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but we might be doing some supplemental draft special 2 I mean, months from now. They've talked, Saucy. I mean this has been out there that supplemental draft could be a huge option for people. And there there is, you know, when they go through the potential scenarios for college football. There's one where, you know, yes, you don't have the autumn because it's different than the pros. It's don't you don't just go play in an empty stadium. Nice they want usage. students in in like back at school for this to happen. So there's a world where maybe college football, the season begins in February, they've said. Mm. Well that's completely ridiculous with the NFL calendar. I mean that's fine for the idea of college football games being played, but if you're looking at the draft um, versus just playing out your senior season and becoming an accountant. Well, you don't play that season. You don't get hurt two months before the draft, and it just seems completely unfeasible to me. And I think that there's got to be agents talking to certain prospects and players saying, supplemental draft may be your best chance to maximize a draft pick. Handsome Hank might have to farm out his uh, supplemental mock draft this year if, they, if that goes on. He might have to sure. break Der- Jeremiah back from uh, break. I guess he's not going anywhere this year, so it's like, all right, DJ. I know someone that can do a mock draft. We're doing the supplemental draft for three weeks. Get ready. <laughs> well, what happens if there's no college season and then the 2021 NFL draft? Right. I mean, I just want the Yankees back. <laughs> well, good luck with that. We're living in an unsolved mystery. Our human soon to be history. <laughs> Who's got the next line? <laughs> it's so clear for all of us to see. Um, that's the next line. So clear for all of us to see. <laughs> Bad line. <laughs> that we're living in an unsolved mystery. All right. <laughs> we're swimming in a pool of pee. Now that we're is how you in close a pool out. Of pee. All right. That's the lyric. Not right exactly there. Bob Dylan. Do you want to do um, one more speed round real quick? Anybody got any in the chamber? I had one ready, but I don't I don't need to. Why don't we not even give why don't why don't we, we don't even need to like dig in? Let's just run okay. some music, Ricky, and then everybody take turns until you run out. Okay. I'll go first. Where the hell is Jadavian Clowney going? Mm. Seattle took uh, two Leo type guys. 
So this is a true speed round. We just I'll throw one out there. Yeah, go. I want to know um, who Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are. I would wonder. I'd be concerned if they if they flop this year that those both those teams might quietly start looking elsewhere. I want to know the day the NFL season starts and the structure of that regular season. Are Cam Newton's days as a franchise quarterback over? Have the Lions ended the curse of Barry Sanders, DeAndre Swift? (laughs) I'm out. Will Kyle Shanahan let Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball more than five yards down the field this season? How about this? Is Matt Nagy an NFL head coach or someone pretending to be an NFL head coach? Out of the draft. You've decided that Nick Foles is where you're going this season. Good luck with that one. The Eagles were cool with that once upon a time. All right, looks like we're fresh out. Uh, did you know that uh, Reggie, remember when Reggie ran for 1,006 yards and then bought everybody on the team those scooters in Detroit? That was Reggie, the last Reggie one. Bush? Reggie Bush, our old friend. Okay. Um, that was the last Lions 1,000 yard rusher. 2013, wow. 1,006 yards. And the Lions have ranked in the bottom half of the NFL in rushing in every season since Barry Sanders retired after mm. the 98 campaign mm-hmm. well and they went into last year wanting to be a run oriented offense and finished 30th remember Wes, so, Wes who read who led the Lions in rushing with 403 yards last year carry on Johnson correct mm-hmm. still got it folks don't it forget about the uh West Hills Scarborough heads remember when Reggie like lost seven yards on a pitch play in Buffalo and ended up negative yards for the season that was, that's how his career ended I think yeah sorry Remember when he was on our show for like five straight weeks and then he disappeared and we never saw him again? <laughs> Didn't that happen to Barry show. Sanders? He says he, he drives 2, around Santa Monica in a golf cart all the time, but I have never once mm. seen that golf cart. Hmm. Maybe it's a Barry's- different. Maybe it's a nicer part of Santa Monica than I, I know. Mark, I think Barry Sanders, I think that's where you go. I think he had a negative game in the playoffs against the Packers. Well, I thought that he crossed 2,000, then got stuffed for a loss and went under 2,000 and then got back over 2,000. I don't think yeah, so. But that's because he had like a. Be... I remember it was against the Jets and it was about a 60 yard run that put him well over. But I, I mm. could be wrong. Who knows? Another unsolved mystery. All right. I have an unsolved conundrum for you guys. All right. Hit it, Ricky. <laughs> so my neighbors on one side are the happy hour neighbors. They're great. This older couple, they're very nice. On the other side, was the black sheep of the neighborhood. They moved oh. out. Nobody ever talked to them because when they came in, they just decided they weren't going to be friendly with anyone. So a new neighbor moved in, and this is the nicest house in the block. We have the smallest house in the block. The new neighbor told me he was coming from Playa del Rey where he had the highest house with the best ocean view in all of Playa del Rey. So the guy's got plenty of guap, right? Mm-hmm. Been trying to, he's a really nice guy. We've been trying to figure out, you know, what he does, who he is. The other neighbors tell us yesterday he's a writer, and I know his first name. So it kind of jogged something in me, and I looked it up, and I don't want to ruin his privacy or anything, so I'm not going to say who he is, but he's... I've read one of his books. He's written multiple bestsellers that have turned into, like, blockbuster movies. 
Like, you guys would know who his name is. Now, in order to have a normal, friendly, neighborly relationship, should I ever let on that I know who he is and I've read his books, or should I just say nothing about it? So your neighbor is John Grisham. I'd say he's sub-John Grisham on the celebrity scale. Hmm. I, um, but a better I think writer. Absolutely. You, uh, you, just, you know, honesty is the best policy. Why not? I mean, it, it, what, what writer doesn't like hearing that you like his book? But there's a fine line between, like, fanboying out on him. Well, you don't need to fanboy, but it's weirder. It's it's more of a fanboy to, like, go out of your way to not be real with him when Chris Wesling's one of the more, you know, most real guys I know. Yeah, I don't, you don't have a, like, you don't have like a fanboy DNA to you, really. Like, I think you're going to hand, it's about how you'd handle it versus withholding your knowledge of him. And I think you'd handle it pretty well. I maybe wouldn't roll over there after 22 beers or something, but, you know, have the first uh, meeting be... Real nice. This is You'll where the fine. big green, green egg comes in handy for Stephen go. King and Chris Wesley. <laughs> Brad Thor. Not, not Stephen King. You and Charlie Kaufman. Uh, uh, is he a screenwriter he, or an author? What he said it? it's he, been turned into movies. Uh, you and Michael Shabin, you know, just kicking back uh, uh, in the old neighborhood. Of that ilk, Michael, of that ilk. I'd okay. say a better writer than him, though. Michael Whoa. Crichton? I mean, that's a Pulitzer Prize winner Interesting. there. Interesting, okay. You're... you're Saying he's better than so that's, I don't know. That's maybe high maybe that's my own personal uh, bias. But All right. when I read this guy's first work, which came out like 15 years ago, I remember thinking for that genre, for like the thriller genre, the literature is fantastic. Ooh, you just dropped the breadcrumb for the audience. Okay. There you go, Don. Winslow. Also from the Northeast, but now lives in Los Angeles. Obviously, he's not going to be happy when there's seven people outside his house. Chris Wessling sent us. Well, they'd have to figure out where I live first. <laughs> um, all right. That's good. Nice good little unsolved mystery there. All right. All right. Let, let us know who you think it is, I guess. But don't. Don't get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, all right. That's it. We'll be back on Thursday with our, really, it's our third show of the week. The Saturday show went up late. Really, it was a Sunday show. And then... Uh, I believe, gentlemen, we'll get back onto our normal off-season uh, schedule. We're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's yeah. the plan. So that's the plan. And this was, yeah, this was indeed our 1,000th episode. Good stuff. And thank you, everybody. <laughs> and, and remember, uh, a reminder, for more information, resources, and details on how to support nonprofits providing relief for those significantly impacted by COVID-19, pandemic visit nfl.com slash relief greg will match every dollar donated by atn listeners nice nice job greg he's got that comedy central guap <laughs> that's right not for much longer but there we go uh wait is that are you breaking something here well the uh if you're gonna add you know the last episode of season two of the jessel nick and rosenthal vanity project uh, goes up on wednesday and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, listeners of the show will not be surprised. You know, I don't know if there's going to be a season three at Comedy Central. Might have to go elsewhere. We'll see. Cliffhanger. Yeah, Eric, there's an unsolved mystery. Yeah, Eric, you're the producer of that program. Yeah. Do you think you've uh, produced your last episode of the JRVP podcast? Yeah, we're, I, th- I think this is it. <laughs> no no worries on, I would <laughs> say, uh, very little concern that, uh, that it would be the last episode. But it, I, it might be the last of Comedy might be the last Central. with Comedy Central, yes. Uh, uh, okay. Well, there's another unsolved mystery. And as promised, <laughs> we will go out today uh, with the great Hugh O'Connor, who authored up, really, let's call it a celebration of the 1,000th episode, uh, a parody of Billy Joel. 
the ever-overrated Billy Joel, We Didn't Start the Fire, his version, Hugh O'Connor's version, dedicated to the Around the NFL podcast. Take it away, Hugh. Kansas man and Greg at home, Wes is on the telephone, Sessler in his motel room, podcast happening over Zoom, Ricky's still behind the glass, heroes can't stop kicking ass, world outside is burning down, at least it's not the Cleveland Browns, they'll never stop the podcast, nor the tracks keep turning while the world is burning, they'll never stop the podcast, yeah despite the warning they just keep recording, dang it stories triple source, Greg is on the Football history marks a man of mystery. What's more likely, sandwich props? Time to bring on Connie Fox, one of ATN's best friends. She will give us odds and ends. Pick and team of ATL. Ah, it's Orson Welles. Coltar West's underdog. What's your favorite type of frog? They'll never top the podcast. No, the tracks keep turning while the world is burning. They'll never stop the podcast. Susser in the morning, despite all the warning. Checking with the throne of sleeves, Brady's gone so Greg is pleased, Mark supports the Cleveland Browns, Wes has left his Midwest town, Dan is hopeful for gangrene, could they beat his Braves team, spends more time in kicker club, Kaya's Kaya, there's the rub, when the world is looking bleak, these guys get five shows a week, killing it most every day, what else do I have to say, they'll never stop the podcast, nor the tracks keep turning while the world is burning, they'll never stop the podcast, when the world hits zeros, we still got our heroes. They'll never stop the podcast. No, the tracks keep turning while the world is burning. They'll never stop the podcast. When the world hits zeros, we've still got our heroes. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Three very important Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.